0: All right, uh, you can probably hear some extra background noise that is coming from uh, Andrew Gibney, who's a, a French football writer. You can find at Football Whispers. You can also find him on Twitter at Gibney underscore A. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time, uh, albeit from an airport <laughs> line, but we got to sneak yeah, it well, in well, while we're we to
1: Manchester Airport, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> live, uh, yeah, reporting to you live from the Manchester <laughs> Airport. Um, Andrew, absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, obviously, yesterday, France win the World Cup. I know you've been uh, covering, them for a while now. What was your perception of France winning and the impact it had?
1: Oh, it was it was amazing. Uh, such a probably one of the best World Cup finals that I can remember. I think my first one was 1990. I was too young for '86, but we had goals, we had VAR, we had own goal. I think the first ever own goal in a World Cup <laughs> final. Then we had. I think if it ended two-one, the way it finished the first half, I think everyone would have been really disappointed because you don't want a final to be done by VAR, which no one can still agree on. For me, it wasn't a handball. Uh, but then the second half, the, the goal from Pogba, the goal from Mbappé, it just put that icing on the cake to what was, a, I think, a really smart and a really exciting in parts France performance. And I think it'd be hard to say that they didn't deserve it through that performance, through the way they went through everything. And yet it's an amazing moment for these players and the scary is they're still so young and hopefully there's still so much to come
0: yeah kind of like um Manchester City who we obviously talk about a lot on the show it's concerning how good they are and how young they are and what that (laughs) portends for the future um obviously as you mentioned the own goal uh is basically what started the affair uh at at the beginning of the match here uh what were your thoughts on that goal when it went in
1: yeah another great set piece from from Aswan Griezmann and He's had a really weird World Cup because if you look from open play, I've, I think he's been quite bad. Like he's made, he's not picked the right passes. He's sort of ran where he shouldn't have run and not passed when he should have. But then he's finished the World Cup with four goals and three assists. You're like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a World Cup. You're like, the penalties, <laughs> cool calm. like, and then those set pieces he keeps delivering. And the the Fernando Muslera goal against Uruguay, like he, he got lucky. Like, but. His quality from set pieces, I think, is underrated, definitely, and it's been a massive part of, of this World Cup. And yeah, it's another one, you put it into the area where you want to put it in, and everyone jumps, and poor Manzuki was the unfortunate guy who got, got his head to it.
0: Yeah, then obviously it looked like France were going to just run away with it, but then Croatia should get back into it via a Perisic goal, much like what happened in the England match. Um, Perisic obviously had a very good tournament. Did you feel like that goal was coming, or, or was it a bit of a shock to the system?
1: No, I think it was well-deserved. I mean, a wonderful strike as well. I think what made it even better was the little touch to his left, just to make that yard of space. Mm. You know, The, the way he sort of twisted his body around to get the contact and the power he got on it, it's a, an incredible goal, and it shows you how technically gifted a player Paris which is and yeah I think one each at that point was the least that Croatia deserved because they, they did boss this the early parts of the game but I don't think anyone at France was panicked because they, they had their game plan I mean, think they, they stuck to it and it, it paid off
0: Yeah, then you mentioned earlier, uh, obviously, VAR is used, awards a handball um, penalty for France to to go ahead and take the 2-1 lead. Griezmann takes it very coolly, slots it in on the floor uh, to the right of the goalkeeper to Griezmann's left. Uh, There was a lot of controversy surrounding that decision. What we always say on the show is don't give the referee a chance to make a decision, but it seemed very quick um, coming off and then hitting Perisic's hand. What did you make of that decision?
1: Yeah, I think when you jump, your arms are naturally going to move. I think if your arms are anywhere sort of between your waist and your shoulders, it's a natural place for them to be. Like, and there's no way that he's batted his hands down to hit the ball. You can see with the slow motion, his eyes don't even know where the ball is. And to me, there was a little touch on the ball before it gets to him as well. So that, apparently, the rules that should mean that any touch before is just kind of, uh, he can't control where the ball's going. So, I mean, the fact that the referee said no, and then the time it took him to look at Varnie, you can tell he still wasn't convinced. And But for, it must be hard for the referee, because if you know there's five guys in a booth, and they've watched it, and they're saying, mate, you want, you want to come look at this? The pressure's on you to be like, well, have I missed something? Maybe I must yeah. be wrong. And you, so you're putting that extra pressure on the guy, and it's going to take a lot of strong refs to be like, no, I, I think that's not, and sort of say no, when there's five guys upstairs telling you that it is, that's a really difficult situation situation to put someone in. For me, it wasn't a penalty. To me, it's not not a clear and obvious, obvious, deliberate hand to ball. There's enough debate. The the debate's still ongoing, which for me says, and I think this is where the NFL gets it, it's conclusive proof to overturn the call on the field. Mm. And I'm sure the next week or two weeks, we will still not have uh, so you can't give the penalty then for me and, and that's where I think NFL get the reviews right and I think VAR still has a lot to learn
0: yeah. Uh I do think VAR was largely handled well throughout this tournament. Uh far better than its trial in England. Yeah. Um but but as as you say there there're still some kinks that that will surely be worked out the more it's in use, the more the people that are the, using it's it.
1: It's not the technology it's, it's the problem it's the right, people it's the making people. the decisions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which but, which is life isn't it? <laughs> it sure
0: is. And obviously the more experience they have using it the better the system will become, the more refined yeah. it'll be. Um so things go uh, to halftime. 2-1, uh, were you feeling France were confident that then that they would be able to hold on for the win?
1: Yeah, I think uh, another half-time team talk from Deschamps calm everyone down, get everyone's heads together, so I remind everyone of the plan and the way they play, they know they have the weapons, and look, this is no disrespect to Croatia the, I don't care how much adrenaline you have you, you've played an extra 90 minutes and everyone else, your legs must be a little bit tired, especially compared to the French legs, like There was going to be some space open up in the second half. There had to be. I could see no way that Croatia could play with that same vigour, that same energy, for another 45 minutes, and it sort of paid true in the end because that's when the gaps appeared for the for the for the next goals.
0: Yeah. And interestingly, heading into the half, Croatia actually had more shots and more chances yeah, yeah. created um and more possession. Uh but obviously France seemed to be the more dangerous when they really got forward and attacked, which is unsurprising considering the talent in their front line. Um then things kind of slow for a while out of out of the half. Croatia starts to grow back into it. I had mentioned this in, in uh the post match after England, um, that Croatia's midfield makes sure that they're always at least pretty good. They don't have the, have, have those like big dips in the middle of yeah. matches, and so they they started continuing that consistency and they started growing into the game. Um, but then. Pogba goes on and scores in the 59th minute. Um, it, the goalkeeper, it seemed like he should have done better, but he may have been unsighted uh, on second glance. Um, but fantastic for Pogba to score there. Puts the score at 3-1. Seems like it's put to bed.
1: Yeah, I mean that that goal was all Pogba. The the pass, the vision to see Mbappe to pull it off. And that is all Pogba. That's what we want to see from. you know, seeing so much of it from that World Cup. If you're a Man United fan, you're thinking, please, please let us see that, Paul Pogba, Old Trafford. Uh, That the ball was great. And then he's got the the sense to follow up. Tried with his right foot, and it came to his left. I think that's where Daniel Subasic was unsighted because players are trying to block the first shot. There's bodies in the way. And Pogba's got the ability to go, nah, I'm going to curl it on my left. I'm just that good, and curls it into the corner. And yeah, at that point, you're thinking, that's it, Game, game's over now. Two goals, If, if Croatia attack even more... You're getting even more space on the brake, and it felt a lot more. That's when you get the sigh of relief. There's a, oh, I think this is going to be okay now.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Yeah, then after Pogba's goal, it was somewhat quickly followed up by uh, the strike by Kylian Mbappe, which was a fantastic effort. Uh, he, he also had a fantastic tournament on the whole, picking up the Young Player Award. Uh, what did you think of that goal in particular, and Mbappe's performances on the whole?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought he's had a wonderful tournament. I think he, he came alive at the Argentina game, but everyone saw just how fast he is. That blistering pace that anyone who watches league and the Champions League knew of, but. To see on distance, the biggest stage there is was brilliant. And I thought, he, I thought he was really good on Sunday. He had his moments, he wasn't sort of at the forefront of, of France's attacks, but he was always an outlet, he was always a danger. I think when you've got that threat of his pace, you're always going to worry a little bit that you, you can't lose space in behind. In the goal I think he deserved, and he took it really well because you watched Subasic's movement. So we just thought he was going to the, the yeah, goalkeeper's yeah. left. And then because he went the other way, he was a left wrong footed. And that's what created the goal. And he's, just, he's so smart. he's so thinks so quick. And he's scarily only 19 years old. I mean, Kev, when I was 19, I didn't even think half as fast as this kid does yeah. by doing anything. Never mind playing in a World Cup final. But it's phenomenal. He's shown it all like the, the game against Belgium as, as an outlet and like making the right pass and not losing possession in the dangerous areas. I thought he was superb and just showed so much maturity that at least now we're not going to get 12 years of, well, he's not won the World Cup, so he can't be considered the greatest of all time. Like, this kid's <laughs> got the platform to be, to, 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 I mean, it's, it's a bit a bit hyping up maybe too much, but he could go on to be better than Messi and Ronaldo. He's got the years to achieve what they've achieved. And you can't see it apart from the injuries and things like that that get in his way. Talent wise he's got he's got what it takes and he's he's ready to go and he's there now. It's it's really scary.
0: Yeah, he is very, very good indeed. Uh as for the match itself, after Kylian Mbappe scored, uh the Croatian heads clearly had dropped then. Um, looked like there was no chance for them to get anything else in this match, except then uh, Hugo Lloris decided to dribble directly into Mario Mandzukic's foot, which allowed Croatia uh, to get a second. Was there any sense when that happened that they that would be the beginning of them crawling back into the match, or did it still feel like it was finished for you?
1: It felt like it was finished, but it was, I'm pretty sure I said the word, it's over as Lloris hit the ball into Mandzukic's foot. So it's <laughs> over, oh... Uh... Hugo, what have you done? <laughs> and there was—I mean, if Croatia, I think, had had maybe a bit more energy left, or something, they could have really gone out of France. And the, the, the panic may have set in, but yeah, I think that was more luck than sort of Croatia creating anything. And I think France knew that still with the two goals, that were fairly comfortable. And even if Croatia did attack them, that they still had that the pace on the break. Like you saw, I think it was in the 94th minute. Griezmann tried to knock the ball past the defence, and he still yeah. had the legs, still like sprinting. You're like, where have you got this energy from? And that showed you just how much they were, they were up for this, and how much they had left in the tank. So I don't think, do anyone was that worried. There's always a sense of, oh God, if they get another one now, this could really be a tense finish. But yeah, I think France had it, had it wrapped up when they. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then that is where the match would end, four-two to France. Uh, as they are crowned World Cup champions. Croatia on the other side, very, very uh, sour after the affair, mentioning the referee's decisions, and and Luka Madras particularly said you can't keep comebacking, um, uh, blaming some of the decisions throughout the match as well. Uh, How did you feel it was handled on the whole uh, from the refereeing perspective?
1: I think that VAR is going to to cloud everything, isn't it? That's going to be the talking point from the referee. I, I, I don't remember any sort of really bad call outside of that, and as if I think he got pressured into the he he made the call and said there was no handball. They made him look at it and sort of forced his hand. And yeah, I can't really. You're always going to be a bit if you as a World Cup final. I think that's and I think to go two one down the way they did, yeah. I mean I'd be annoyed as well, but yeah, I, I didn't really see much the Argentine ref got wrong outside of that. Yeah. Well, again, oh, there was a, there was a decision for the the Griezmann uh, die for the first free kick, and yeah, a, a slow motion replay, Griezmann's going down before the contact. But these things are so calling things in real time is so difficult. People people see replays and go, oh, look at that. It's obvious he's going down. Like if you've got a split second, the, the job is much harder than people give referees credit for.
0: Yeah. And, and as we say, uh, obviously very disappointing for Croatia to have not won, but France do win it indeed, uh, which is uh, very interesting, because in the group stages, I was not...
1: Yeah, I'll go straight into that. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's overly impressed with the group stage, but when you look at the way France played two years ago, and when they got to the final against Portugal, they had nothing left. They they'd used all their energy up, they, they couldn't try to get get rid of another game, even though it was a final, and, and Portugal took their chance and won and won the tournament, but... Fans played it very, I think, very smart. Uh, I mean, I don't agree with the the team that Deschamps played against Australia. I think that was where you play Giroud and not go for the the three quick forwards, especially when it's yourself. Like, it's up to Denmark to go at them and try and win that group. And then you may have some fans take it up a notch. But why, why waste your energy when you're already in the last sixteen? As we saw in this tournament, it really doesn't matter if you finish first or second. The, the, The route can open up, things can change. Like. You qualify, that's the first part of the World Cup. Qualify for the next round, and then you take it from there. And then the Argentina game, we saw the real France. We saw a team happy to concede possession, happy to play on the break. They know they've got the power of the pace. And you. people like Griezmann and Mbappe, they love playing on the break. Giroud does the hold-up job perfectly when, when, when they're not on the break. And you, you, you go to the Uruguay game, like... That, that on on paper is a really difficult match-up. France it felt easy, like Uruguay had no no big chances. Yeah, they're missing Cavani, but France I think Deschamps got his tactics perfect for the way to win this tournament. Yeah, like people people on Twitter I think wanting to play like Dembele, Fakir, Toban, all at the same time as Griezmann and Bappe. Like, let's go like four. just like get everyone on but they would lose like uh, it's great if you're neutral yeah you want to see attacking football but if you're French you don't give a beep how you do it you want to get to that final you want that second star on your jersey and it doesn't really matter how you do it like ask Greece in 2004 do they care what football they played No, they're European and you can't take that away from them like and I think I think fans and Deschamps played to their strengths they really did they played to their strengths defensively He made that the strength stronger with Cantain front and then he knows he has the pace and the power On the, I don't if you're a fans fan I think it's hard to criticise Deschamps I get if you're a neutral yeah, maybe it's not the greatest thing to watch but Deschamps doesn't care that you're watching at home he wants to win the World Cup and he's done it
0: yeah, and sticking on Deschamps, obviously now one of a very uh, small list of people to have won the World Cup both as a player and as a manager. How do you think this will affect his legacy in France?
1: I think it's huge. Like, yeah, one of three players, well, Zidane and Beckenbauer. The other two highly they're, they're, they're regarded in their countries. Like, I think he's been an absolute legend, and I think no one's going to take that away from him. Like, where does he go from here? Because although this team is very young. The player that was sort of the attack built around is Giroud. and he's 31 now. Has he has he got it in his sort of his locker to guide this team to the Euros? Or do you think, well, I've won the World Cup, I'm the third player to do this, third person to do this, let's call it a day, and then you give it to someone else to sort of take this young team to the next level. That's where I would head towards if I was him. But you you can't help but think, well, I should have won the Euros two years ago. Let's have another go and try to win that. It's just whether he's got the the game plan or the tactics to play like an attacking young free without Giroud because he is at the linchpin of what Deschamps' team does.
0: Yeah, and that will certainly be interesting to see what uh, Deschamps' future holds as well as uh, for the rest of the squad. as It, it does age, although, as you mentioned, Giroud uh, one of the few players that are getting up there in age, Lloris also mm. as well, but there are yeah. uh, goalkeepers behind him, ready to take over more than there are uh, for Giroud up front. Um, overall, uh, who was your player of the tournament for France, and if you fancy it, in general?
1: France, I'm torn between Pogba and Mbappe. I think Pogba showed what he can do, and like, he's never going to be a guy like a Luka Modric who can control a game for 90 minutes, he is going to give you moments of greatness and he did them like the goal against Australia where fans are struggling, he's the one that started the move, he got a bit lucky but he got the goal and then the runs against Argentina, the runs against Croatia, he's there when fans needed him and then Mbappe to do what he did at 19 years old at the World Cup what the the second youngest player to score uh, and Pele being the other one. It's not a bad company to be in. <laughs> uh, I think we have to respect what he's done, whether he did enough to, to be the France's best player. And I suppose if you mention Pogba, you have to mention Kante. It's like, so, un- yeah. not underrated, but it doesn't get this, uh, the praise that I think he deserves. It, like, he makes that defence better. He made Pogba better. He made throwbacks better. <laughs> uh, I, I saw somewhere someone wrote about uh Deshaunts found a way to play Pogba in midfield too, except when it's in goal cante, it really is a midfield three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that midfield the and Kante sort of partnership, one doesn't exist without the other sort of thing, has to be like the best the best part of that fans team. But I mean there's heroes all over there, Pavard and Lucas Hernandez, the full backs who don't play fullback regularly for their club. Mm. So and, and they excelled in those positions. Uh, the defence, oh, MTT Varan, like absolutely colossus. That that duo just grew in strength game by game. Mm-hmm. Still, still look a bit shaky sometimes, but like oh, superb and yeah. Maurice made some great saves when needed. Everyone, everyone stepped up at some point. Everyone played their part in a game, and no one went missing. Like you could put each of those players in like a, in a World Cup eleven, and you would, you wouldn't be able to really argue and say. Yeah, he deserves that, or he deserves that. They all were some of the best players in their roles, and that's why they're champions.
0: Yeah, you mentioned a lot of players there. Um, <laughs> Pavard, in particular, really caught the eye, especially, as you said, traditionally plays centre-back, was playing out at right-back for most of the tournament. Um, who was the biggest and best surprise uh, out of the squad?
1: I think I mean, you have to say Benjamin Pavard. I know I've got a little bit of bias, because uh, I sort of know him from my time when I lived in Leo. Uh, I had a little bit to do with him signing from Stuttgart but I don't want to blow my own horn there <laughs> uh, and the fact that like when the squad got announced I was like oh that's amazing Pavard might play at a World Cup, that's great then Sadibi gets injured, oh Pavard might play at a World Cup and it's like oh my god he's starting oh my god he scored one of the goals of the tournament oh my god he's just won the World Cup <laughs> <laughs> it just escalated snowballed and like so happy for a kid that I started watching for Leo's under-19s, Leo's reserve team, like, had the odd conversation with him. It was like, I think it was like the first World Cup winner that's ever started a conversation with me. <laughs> Which is <laughs> quite nice. So, yeah, I'm really, really proud of what Benjamin did. But, yeah, I think the whole world sort of sat up and took notice of this uh, centre-back stroke full-back. Uh, been having a massive, massive tournament.
0: Yeah. Uh, and surely people will be after his signature, whether or not he leaves or not remains to be seen.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but full credit to him and to the whole France side for winning. Uh, as we start to wind down this segment, uh, what's your biggest takeaway from this tournament for France?
1: For France, I think, I mean, I think the future is so bright. I think they're the youngest team to win the World Cup since Brazil in 1970, which is, is huge, and that team's regarded as one of the best of all time. So it's just I just hope that, this group sticks together. There was a lot of change from 2014, but the nucleus is there for a really young, exciting team. And if Anthony Martial finds form again, and the Lacazette as well, there's so much. They've got like a massive squad. If you look at under 21s, you're not exactly lacking employers as well. The future in France is so bright, uh, but mean, nothing's guaranteed at World Cups, so you can get knocked out by whatever reasons, that like it can happen, it can go against you. Yeah, I think the whole country's proud. And I think it'll, they'll maybe get a third star sooner than they got the second one. And that will be, I think it'll be less than 20 years before they get a chance to win another one. I think they'll reach a final, maybe the next three World Cups. I'd, I'd, I'd put money on that.
0: Well, you heard it here first, especially those of you <laughs> interested in the betting side of the sport. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for doing this, albeit from an airport. Um, tell the folks where they can find you
1: yeah you can find me on twitter at gibney underscore a i run the social media at football whispers which is fb underscore whispers so if you don't agree with something there it's probably me that said it <laughs> uh yeah and check out i on, on instagram as well at the gib show and you'll see pictures from when i'm out in la doing the international champions cup house of soccer event which should be awesome so yeah looking forward to seeing what's coming
0: yeah, and for those that haven't followed the ICC much, I obviously get to go a lot uh, as they're uh, largely in the States, although I know they have some satellite ones as well. Uh, but definitely keep an eye on, on all of Andrew's stuff as it comes out of there. It's definitely a fun uh, pseudo-tournament to keep your eyes on. All right, uh, Andrew, thanks again so much uh, for joining us. Congrats on uh, the France win, and I'm sure we'll speak soon.
1: Thanks, Kev.